Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. All right, welcome to the show. The show is Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And today we are taking it back to 1992 to a popular little film of the era, A League of Their Own. Mm. Gina Davis. Yeah. Laurie Petty. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah. This was a, a pretty family staple, well, at least in my house. A real staple, even by default. Yeah. It was on TV a lot. I would love to have had been able to get hold of the stats around how many times this was aired on yeah. TV in, in Australia. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Good movie. Good movie. Really brought the family together. Did it? I felt like. Where to start? Where, Where to do start? We start? Let's start at the beginning. Ah. 1992, July 1st, this came out. Mm-hmm. Budget of $40 million, a gross of $132 million. Not bad. Yeah. Not triple. Well, if you remember, this did make the top 10. It was number 10 in 1992. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, critic score of 78%, audience score of 84%. Not, not much of a spread there. Popular. It's a real home run. <laughs> Talk about a hole in one. The bases are loaded. No <laughs> um, so 92, 92, this came in at number 10 for the year in the box office. We have covered this before. Number one was none other than Aladdin. Aladdin. Uh, which we're going to be covering in the next few weeks, just in time for the old reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Home Alone 2 was number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman Returns, number three. Lethal Weapon 3, number four. Ah, it's not a year without a Lethal Weapon movie. Right, there. as it turns out. Uh, a Few Good Men at five. Uh, Sister Act at six. The Bodyguard at seven. Wayne's World at eight. Basic Instinct at nine. And, of course, lucky number ten, A League of Their Own. Yeah, we are missing But top ten few. isn't everything. Yeah, we're missing a few. We're missing... I'll, we're missing quite a few. We're missing Beethoven. We're missing Universal Soldier. Yep. Single White Female was pretty popular. Yep. Uh, Mighty Ducks. Boomerang, Under Siege, White Men Can't Jump. Yep. What was it? So Malcolm X, an outstanding performance by the great Denzel. Mm. So there's, yeah, it's a good movie, isn't it? Yeah. Big year. Unforgiven. Big Unforgiven's year. a great film. And it's not even it's not one of those top tens either where something doesn't really belong in there. So it's just a good year. Yeah. There's no for instance, there's no Star Trek's in there. Yeah, I always glaze over those on account of not liking them. But we do have a lot of nostalgia for this film in particular, don't we? It was on heavy rotation on the free to wear networks. I think yeah. we hired it several times from our local video easy. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Was what was your memory of this film as a kid? Uh, because, I think because I probably did see it so much. It's all blurred. It's semi-blurred. Yeah. Um, I would say I've seen this movie too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like even re-watching it you this time. You were saying that, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I was having fun watching it. When yeah. would be the last time you watched it before for question. this podcast? I don't, I couldn't tell you. It wouldn't be that long ago. Like yeah. it'd be the last, probably last five years. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, we're coming from a different place then. Because I watched this a lot as a kid, and I don't remember the specific occasion, but I do remember like with my mom and like the family, it was like a big deal in our house. But I hadn't watched it since then. Yeah. <clears throat> so while a lot of it was familiar, I came in with a pretty clean slate. Oh, that's good. Um, clean slates are good. Yeah, but it was, yeah, I feel like I saw it a lot. Um, and in thinking about it in today's context, obviously, and the innocence of being a child, one thing I noted Obviously, on one level, I knew it was a female baseball movie, but I don't think I really got the significance. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a baseball movie. Yeah. I didn't really get that element of the story at the time. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the innocence of childhood. There's still hope. Yeah. that's. Whilst I have, it's not that long since I've seen it, I definitely did 
watch it through different eyes this time around. So yeah. there was things I did pick up that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah. Both in the things within the film, in the plot, yeah. in the characters, but also, yeah. Outside of the, of the film. Cultural significances. It's a really interesting one to look at because this is over 25 years ago. What is it, 28 years ago at this point? Not as much has changed as we might have expected, I guess. Um, yeah, other than that, my, my memories... Oh, Laurie, Laurie Petty was a big deal in my childhood. Yeah, I think because of Point Break. You were thirsting? Um, yeah. Even, even in, in this? this movie, even in this. As an adult, I had less sympathy for her. But I'm a younger child too, so maybe there was a bit of that as, a, as I was a kid. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. I, I don't know. But um, Laurie Petty is so fascinating. She's such a strange, interesting person. Is she? I don't know. I watched a bunch of interviews with her. Um, off the back of this, and it's just like, who are you, Laurie Petty? So interesting. She's Tank Girl. Yeah, she's Tank Girl. She's Point Break. She's League of Their Own. And she's not the type, she's not like a, I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence that does 50 movies a year. But what she has done is all pretty legit. So that's pretty cool. She was almost in Demolition Man as well. She's probably too edgy for that role because that would take the edge off the main men. Maybe, yeah. And now she's in Orange is New Black as well. Whoa, she looks interesting. Yeah. She's like the she's just a cool human. Yeah. Alright, well let's dive in then. We rewatched it. Let's start with the trailer. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible. The Rockford Peaches. Oh, Peaches! Who says girls can't play baseball? Who says women can't throw? Slide! Slide! Thank you! Sounded good. So let's all root for the girls' team. Let's give the poor coach a break. You're still missing the cutoff man. Now that's something that I would like you to work on before next season. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. Well, you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me. We should I smack you around for a while. Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it! I'm a peach! A Rockford peach! The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. So how was the rewatch for you? So you watched it pretty recently. I know there was a, there's a bit of, okay, maybe yeah, I've done this uh, to death. I didn't do it in one sitting. I needed a break. Yeah. Also, my wife, was Carol, was watching it with us and she loves this movie and... Now I know how she feels when I tried to make her <laughs> Van Damme movies. Right. Because Interesting. I, I just was – she was reciting every line. I had the opposite. I hadn't seen this before. Oh, man. Carol's seen this probably more than me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I – yeah, so I had the complete opposite experience. Like I said, I hadn't watched it at least 20 years, I would say. Probably more because I forget how old I am now. Yeah. And Greg, I think I texted you while I was watching it. I'm not ashamed to say I shed a tear or two. Yeah, it uh, really hit yeah. me in the feels. Yeah, gut I think, punch. I think I did too. Yeah, man, I was like, "Oh, it's coming! It's coming!" 
when was that? Oh, okay. There's we'll multiple we'll, points. We'll get into all that. Tearworthy. Also, Taya Leone. Yeah. She's in it for eight seconds. She's, she's yeah. She's Turns out she's really good at baseball. That's what Penny Marshall said. That's why she got in there. She's good at, good at baseball. She was a, she was in the team that she, that uh, Kit gets traded to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rockford Peaches and the Racine Bells. Was that what it was? Yeah. Nice. Um, there's quite a bit of depth into how this movie came about. Should we get into that? I would love to. Okay. So, in case you weren't aware, this is this this happened, and mm. that's kind of the the conception of this film was. Um, Wait, what someone happened? out there made a documentary about it, but basically, it started as the All American Girls Softball League because they're women, I guess. It was the, was the logic soft. at the time? <laughs> yeah, I guess that was the logic at the time. But this was off the back of World War Two. The men were out there fighting, apparently, and um, Mr. P.K. Wrigley of Wrigley's Gum fame, but also mm, yes. Chicago Cubs fame, but I guess also Mr. Baseball fame, was worried that uh-huh. baseball was going to lose steam and decided to make a women's league. So that happened, and it went from 1942. Uh, it started to die down once the war was over, but it did keep going till 54. And then it was over, and then it kind of just disappeared from the cultural consciousness like it never happened. Aww. Yeah. But it probably is back now to some capacity, isn't it? Yeah, I guess there 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 must be be, female baseball, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty popular. And so a documentary was made. Uh, A Miss Penny Marshall saw this documentary and was like, what the fuck is this? I never knew this happened. And if I didn't know, I guess a lot of people didn't know. I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. Do we know much about Penny Marshall? Let me do a little Penny Marshall roundup because she's a gangster. Yeah. A lot of people know Penny Marshall from Laverne and Shirley or Lavoine. Shamazel. Something, something incorporated. Yeah, something like that. Lavoine and Shirley. Is that it? Is that that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Always changed the channel when that came on when I was a kid. <laughs> right. So she, so she started as an actress, uh, went on to be a very big time director. Uh, similar to her brother, Gary Marshall, big-time director. Big-time, huge, so Pretty huge. Woman. He was involved in Happy Days and a bunch of other TV shows, which is Morgan closely Mindy. linked to... Yes. He's in this. Gary Marshall, yeah. He plays... Well, he plays... I forget his name in this, but it's supposed to be P.K. Wrigley, Wrigley, but they yeah, didn't but get the rights. He's a chocolate man. He's an off-brand Wrigley. Yeah. But... um. Penny Marshall started as an actress. Her first appearance was in a Head and Shoulders commercial with a Miss Farrah Fawcett, and she was signed on as the kind of what was it? It was she was hired to play the girl with stringy, unattractive hair, and Farrah Fawcett was hired to play a girl with thick, bouncy hair. Obviously, Farrah Fawcett's hair is amazing. Lucy, let me borrow your shampoo. What a roommate! Can't you ever buy your own stuff? Well, Lucy, I'm not exactly dressed to go to the store right now. How convenient. Head and shoulders. I know it really works against your dandruff, but what about my gorgeous hair? Your gorgeous hair will love it. You know, it is the best-selling shampoo in America. Best-selling dandruff shampoo, you mean? Best-selling shampoo of any kind. Because it hates your dandruff, but it also loves your hair. I use it regularly. Well, smells okay. Some kind of lather, too. Know what I think? You think you look adorable. <laughs> Not just that, hon. I think your shampoo did a terrific sexy number on my hair. I love it. I'm glad. Now you could buy the head and shoulders. We're out. Okay. Can I borrow some money? Head and shoulders. Hate your dandruff. Loves your hair. Great. I mean, we work at advertising. They talk about this as the gold age of advertising. It's pretty easy if you ask me in those days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's like yes. not that complex. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get some hate well, mail for that. You just did that and then went Most of the our listeners work in advertising, so I'm sure we'll get some uh, some opinions on that. Um, so, yeah, she was in this ad. Uh, she had a few small roles. Uh, but then Happy Days is where it all happened. So both Laverne and Shirley, the characters. Heel and Shemozzle. They were characters on the on an episode where Richie Cunningham and the Fonz were having a double date. Yeah. And they were the 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 dates. That's nice. Yeah, they were supposed to be wise cracking brewery workers. Yeah. 
But yeah, it was so successful, got another spin-off, which is so weird. That is, they did a cameo and got a spin-off. Yeah, but Happy Days has had heaps of, you said it before, Mork and Mindy was another Happy Days spin-off. Was it? Yeah, you said it before, didn't you? I didn't say it was a Happy Days spin-off. I just coincidentally it said it straight after you said Oh, no, Days. so they're connected. Also, I probably knew Joni Loves Chachi, that's more obvious. But yeah, um, yeah so Mork and Mindy, Mork appears in uh, season five. Uh <laughs> So I'm just going to read this out because it's absurdly great. Uh, Since five, which first aired in 1978, blah, 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 blah. the show wanted to feature a spaceman in order to capitalize on the popularity of the recently released Star Wars film. Ah, yep. So Robin Williams' character, uh, his character Mork, attempts to take Richie Cunningham back to his planet of Orc as a human specimen, but his plan is foiled by Fonzie. Wow, I got to got to watch this episode, man. Let's put in a Martian. Just drop a Martian well, into Happy make Days. Any, like, talk about this is <laughs> the the phrase "jump the shark" literally comes from this show. It sure does. And this wasn't. And this the wasn't. Shark. Why isn't it called "Mork the Spaceman"? Like what the like? <laughs> you really mocked it. Yeah, you really mocked this one. So uh, just to close that out in the storyline of the that episode, it was supposed to be a dream, but then they re-edited it so it wasn't a dream, and then they made Mork and Mindy massive show. Then Joni and Chachi. And then, of course, Lavoine and Shirley. So, big success in Laverne and Shirley. She went on to direct a bunch of films, some fucking big ones. Jumpin' Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg. Big. We're going to do big on this show for the show. Uh, first, first film yeah. directed by a female to gross over 100 mil. So, she's already like... She's royalty. The Marshalls. She also went on to direct Awakenings, which was just before this, I mm-hmm. believe. Which I haven't seen, but it's got. I've seen it. It's got massive Rotten Tomatoes score. And it's got Williams and De Niro. It's in the um, in the mental hospital ah. type thing, and Rob Williams is a doctor, or what? They're both doctors, or one of them's a doctor. Does and one he of put on like a clown a nose? That doesn't talk. Ah, yeah, I knew nothing about that. And then, I mean, she's done a bunch of others, but the other one I wrote down was The Preacher's Wife with Denzel and Whitney, and she she passed away last year, December uh-huh. last year. Yeah, she's all very fresh. But um, even Major League Baseball tweeted when she passed away that we joined the baseball community in mourning the passing of Penny Marshall, director of A League of Their Own. So she she really, beyond this film for sure, but even just this film alone, legendary status. But let's cool. get back into the story of this film. So she saw this documentary. Um, she's like, well, this should this should be a movie. What are, what are we doing here, guys? So she hits up... John Lovett. <laughs> it sounds made up. Babalu Mandel and Lowell Gans, who were writers on Laverne and Shirley, to to write up a script. They didn't get John Lovitz. They didn't get John Lovitz to write the script. Not yet. That's not my John Lovitz. What's the John Lovitz? When I think John Lovitz, I think of the drama director when Marge does Streetcar. <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. He's got like and, four and, or five um, characters. That high school guy that has the they're doing a decent proposal thing. Yeah, Artie yeah. Ziff. yeah. Yeah, so she got the she got her crew from Laverne and Shirley to get on board and write up a script. Funnily enough, not easy to get this movie made. Wow. She ran into some hurdles and it really was a sign of the times and sadly doesn't sound that different from the stories we hear today. I'll give you a, I'll let her tell that. No, they didn't want to do this. I mean, to all girls period baseball. That- no, they don't want to do that. Um, no, actually, it didn't even take that. I mean, Lullaby had a deal of Fox at that time because I had done big, you know. I had done Awakenings, which was Fox, but went to Columbia. And I was doing Awakenings when... I was going to do Awakenings when I started League of Their Own. I got writer Lullaby to write, but their first draft wasn't ready, so I went and said, I'm going to go do Awakenings, and they handed in their first draft. And so I was trying to tell Fox, see, I'm coming back. I just have to do this other thing you didn't want to do. <laughs> and um, then they decided to, and there was a new executive every day. Every week there was another person in charge. It was very strange. And so the, Joe Roth wanted to do it, and he wanted to do it without me, which was rather insulting. But I had to go do awakenings. I was already starting there. And so then he decided he, after I finished shooting Awake and was editing that, he didn't like who we decided on to direct it. So then it came back to me. So um, then I came back and they wanted to sign me to Sony from Fox. So they said, we'll even let you do that girl's movie. So that's how it got greenlit. 
They're pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, so it eventually gets greenlit, but uh, not an easy journey to get there. No. Um, but once it's on, it's on. So in terms of shooting, there was apparently she she used over a million feet of film, which was a record at the time. There, I hear there is some ginormous five-hour cut of this somewhere, right? Yeah, so there's a, the initial cut was four hours. Four hours. Uh, with a lot more backstory. It showed Dottie get married to Bob, our old mate Bill Pullman, on the day he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, over 100 feet of film. Um, but a lot of that, I think, was she was getting kind of – she got the cast to play a lot of real baseball that she would just capture on film to use throughout as, as, needed. as footage of baseball. But um, – there was some stuff in there that they cut out, which I'm glad they cut out. Is that the, um, the love? Yeah. So it sounds like the studio wanted to push more of a love story between Hanks and um, um, Dottie. Dottie. Yeah, I think it would be appropriate. I just think Dottie's a bit of a bitch and I wouldn't put her past her to cheat on her husband while she's- Whoa! Greg! <laughs> Oh, you don't know like you don't know Dottie like I know Dottie. So this is interesting because I've done a 180. When I was a kid, maybe again because maybe I was the young kid, I related to Kit more. And watching it as an adult, I'm like, Dottie is a fucking boss. I love her. And also maybe it's just that I realized I love Gina Davis and it's it's spilling over. Yeah, I think I went in the other direction. Yeah, I was really? like, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid, and then really, so this I time had no I was interest. Like, wow, you're quite a bitch. So we okay, so we just did the complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, there we've gone in opposite directions here. Um, but it gets super interesting when it comes to casting too. So they held auditions at the University of Southern California. Two thousand women showed up. And the first step of the auditions was they had to play baseball. Mm. So that was Penny's first thing that you got to be able to play ball. Um, you do. You got to be here to play. You do. And um, every actor in town was there trying to like get a role. Like there's stories of actors like Marissa Tomei. She couldn't get there, but she submitted a video from the set of My Cousin Vinny oh. with none other than Joe Pesci coaching her at baseball. She would have been great in this. Yeah, but Penny said she, she got no skills, man. No baseball skills. It's a shame. So they did all that. They, um, yeah, like I was saying, it, it is significant for a film like this to come up for female actors to actually have a chance at a fucking meaty role and yeah. be the baseball player and not the baseball player's girlfriend. Yeah. And it's a pretty good, um, Laurie Petty talks about that. That's what was important. And I said, Penny, how come you're making this movie? She goes, I want women to have jobs. <laughs> but it's really true. You go to the movies now, there's like the wife and the hoe. You know, and they're both 22, you know. So it's really cool that Penny made a movie where, you know, people could get pregnant and have children and get the paid for by SAG. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a big deal. Like, you finally get into fucking great roles. And there were some really interesting casting choices initially. So um, Penny's first choice for Dottie was actually Demi Moore. For Dottie? Yeah, and she, I think, had the offer and was about to accept or whatever, and then guess what happened? Um... Gets pregnant. Oh, with rumor? One of them. Nah. I I better be a one that's paying off now. Rumor's a bit older than that, I think, doesn't she? Yeah, I don't know. That's anyone I'm aware of. She got pregante. I thought you were going to say she was doing Ghost. I don't even know. Yeah, Ghost. Let's watch Ghost. Yeah, yeah. I cried in that when I was a kid. Is that weird? Huh. Yeah. Thought we were sharing about the crime. Sorry, sorry. The, yeah, yeah, sorry. I've dropped you. Yeah, so no one's listening. We're in the, yeah, we're in the safe place. But yeah, Demi Moore, first choice. She got pregnant. Uh, Deborah Winger. I don't know a lot about Deborah Winger, but she was initially cast as Dottie. Okay. Um, she dropped out. Word on the street is she had an issue once Madonna was cast. Ooh. And there's a bit of a, oh, I don't want to be in a fucking Elvis movie. Like, is this a fucking Elvis movie? Like one of those things where it's just a vehicle for a rock star to have a, a pop star to have a... Oh, and like El- her. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah she's... It, oh, this isn't like, a real movie because it's, it's not a real a movie and it's her movie and it's whatever. That's not official, but that's... Uh, a few places seem to report that as, as what went down. Well, anyway, lo and behold, Ginny Davis does get cast. Um, she's actually one of the last to get cast because of that dropout. And apparently she wasn't very good at baseball at that point. But another beautiful story of this movie, Gina Davis, very tall, six foot. She always felt a bit awkward about her height. Found out through this movie that she had athletic ability. 
and she went on to almost be in the Sydney Olympics. For archery. Yeah. 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 That's that's fucking cool. So she's a whole other amazing I well and this movie was the, the catalyst for She never did that. any sport until this movie. Now that I didn't know. Now I knew about the Olympics thing and yeah. I knew she was a, I've seen footage of her being a mean yeah. archer. And she but, just missed out on Sydney Olympics. Yeah. She was like uh she came in twenty fourth and I think quite a few go, so she was very close. Oh, um, I didn't know that it was off the back of like this. That's yeah. Cool. So why don't Similar to what we did with Penny Marshall, why don't I do a quick detour on Gina Davis because she's quite a legend. Yeah. Think about where she was just before this. She just won an Oscar. Long kiss, good night, man. Uh, yeah, well, okay, so that's interesting. But just before so, this, yeah. wins that's an Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> no, yeah, wins an Oscar for Accidental Tourist, then does Thelma and Louise, uh-huh. then does this. What a fucking trifecta, man. Mic drop at that point. That's all you need to do ever. <laughs> like, And you're... Legendary status. She is like, and uh, I, I don't mean to degrade her personal achievements, but for me personally, being married to Jeff Goldblum is a pretty good achievement. Oh, yeah. I was not getting to, to that. Not to say that. Yeah, yeah. So before all these days, so she started as a model back in 79, made her acting debut in Tootsie in 82, but then was in The Fly with none other than our uh-huh. buddy Jeff Goldblum in 86. Uh-huh. And we are big fanboys of Jeff Goldblum here at Double Impact. Yeah. Then goes on to Beetlejuice in 88, another great picture. Again, she's just like hitting every, like The Fly, Beetlejuice, Thelma and Louise, Accidental Tourist. Like these are all pretty much certified classics, man. And in all different kind of areas. Thelma and Louise is the big one, though. That gets her a nomination. Oh, no, she wins. Oh, no, she gets a nomination for Best Actress. She wins from uh, Accident of the Tourist. Fast forward to Cutthroat Island, massive flop, but one of two films I watched on Laserdisc at my dad's house. Nice. Uh, um, directed by her then-husband, Rennie Harlan. Um, he also directed Long Kiss Goodnight, which, while better critically received, still tanked at the box office. So Did it. Things started to quieten down there for... Um, our our hero, which is disappointing. She oh, did things. She I had. I liked Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, I, no, I think it's one of those ones, and maybe that's a that's a good rewatch because I think it is one of those films that people generally like, and I think it did okay from a critic point of view, but just pure box office wise, tanked. Because they were both pretty hot property at the time. Yeah, Gina Davis, and of course Samuel L was coming. You know, a few years after Pulp Fiction, he'd really launched into his his own groove. Yeah. Well, I think this was late. It would have been post Pulp Fiction, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And maybe like ninety six ish or something. 90, you're right. Bang on. It was really? 96. And it's got Brian Cox. So what else do you need? Yeah, he's good. I mean, she did do Stuart Little. She did Commander in Chief. So she played a female president. That's pretty boss. But she does admit herself. These are her words. Uh, film role, film, film roles really did start to dry up when I got into my forties. If you look at IMDb, up until that age, I made roughly one film a year. In my entire 40s, I made one movie, Stuart Little. What about Stuart Little 2? I guess maybe she had turned 50 or maybe it was in the 30s. I was getting offers, but nothing meaty or interesting like my 30s. I'd been completely ruined and spoiled. So quite an experience. Yeah, but it's a pretty prevalent issue she speaks to there, right? Yeah, well, so that's the thing. So while we haven't seen her so much on screen... The stuff we do see on screen, she's had a massive impact on. So she started um, uh, the Bentonville Bentonville Film Festival, uh, which is a film festival that promotes and supports films that feature true-to-life diversity. Um, So representation of females, minorities, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But on this role specifically, um, I think this is quite a nice quote that sets the context. I've always sought characters that got to do interesting things. From a selfish point of view as an actor, I didn't want to just be the girlfriend of the person who's having the interesting things happen, uh, and this is the ultimate example of that. I bring it up when I give speeches because I say I would rather play the baseball player than the girlfriend of the baseball player, and I'm lucky that I've had the opportunity to do that. Which is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, she says to this day she has people coming up and telling her that a league of their own is what made them take up sport. Pretty significant. We'll get into that when it comes to how it's aged and that kind of thing. But like I said, this film got her into sport. So she started training up in archery. She was almost in the City Olympics. She's also in Mensa and yes. she speaks Swedish. She is a legend. Can I can I um can I say she looks great as well? Yeah. 
She's 63. She looks good. So, she's in there. Gina Davis in there. Rosie O'Donnell initially uh, auditioned for Marla. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she didn't get that, but they actually wrote her a new role. Uh, because they thought this, she's awesome. I think at this point she was a stand-up comedian. She hadn't really, she wasn't known. Um, really, isn't that? Yeah, it's funny so how I, you uh, incorrectly. Same, well, same. Um, I'm sure we'll do this when we do Pulp Fiction. But I feel the same with Samuel L. Jackson. I just thought he was always a thing, and then you see him with this tiny, small role in uh, um, Goodfellas, and you realize the timeline. You're like, oh wait, and even in Jurassic Park, he has that one scene. You're like, oh, he's not a. Yeah, he wasn't a thing yet. It's crazy. Coming to America, he's got a bit, yeah, yeah, bit exactly. So um, <laughs> that was a tangent, but similar thing here. I think you just kind of assume, oh, she was always there, yeah, but she wasn't. And this was a big fucking deal with her for her. Um, they wrote her this new role, and they wrote her to be buddies with Madonna, and they became real life buddies. I saw this amazing interview with That's them. Nice. Yeah, like, it's fucking weird because Madonna is at the height of her fame, and. And Rosie O'Donnell's just kind of a n- normal woman, and they become like good mates, um, Roe and Mo. And they're going out, like, they, there's this interview uh, with the two of them on Arsenio, and they're talking about going out to Spargo's or whatever these fancy places are that famous people go. And, and she's, it's, it's really nice. She's kind of sitting there going, I don't know who these people are. And like, yeah. it's, and it's Madonna. It's just, it's really cool. Yeah, it's you suddenly realize, like, oh, yeah. They're people just like us. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Anyway. She's probably not, like you can't have high doses of Rosie O'Donnell. She's pretty high octane. Yeah, but she's definitely a highlight of this movie. I Absolutely. Think. Yeah, she's up there. I, she's yeah. very, she's not my MVP, but she's up there. You got an MVP there? I got MVPs. Oh, the analogy works quite well for this picture. Yeah, because of the Real sports. home run, would you say, Greg? Stop saying that. <laughs> Madonna's in it. She gets cast. Uh, there was someone else that dropped out, and uh, somehow Madonna comes in the picture. But the main thing is they needed a dancer for that epic dance scene, something I forgot entirely about. That was a good scene. It was a great the scene. The That was a great scene. How good was that? And the dancing was legit. That's all Madonna. Like, she's... Fuck well, again. She's Madonna. Yeah, yeah, but you kind of forget that at this point. Why is she wearing those stupid panties, though? I would have loved a little, <laughs> little something. But were they a legitimate pant? I think that was a thing then. That was a thing? Yeah, I guess. Oh, I guess they were. The 40s. What do you call them? Pantaloons? I don't know. They could be pants. That could actually be pantaloons. I like saying pantaloons. I know, but this could be it. <laughs> Finally. Um, Betty Spaghetti was Penny Marshall's daughter. Yes. Got pregnant on set. Penny Marshall became a grandmother as a result of this picture. Oh. Yeah. That's there was a Cusack in this movie. with uh, Rob Reiner because her name is Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Connecting the dots. Um, the, the casting goes on and on and on with this, but how can we not talk about Miss Laurie Petty? Yeah. So she was a legit baseball player in her day in terms of growing up, not professionally, but she was the pitcher on a on a male baseball team in oh, her really? neighborhood. Yeah, so she's a bit of a bit of a gangster. She obviously, as you heard in that other clip, she's super excited about this role. And the way she talks about kind of the character and the way Penny directed her, it's pretty cool insight into the movie. I won't try and explain it. Well, I'll tell you something that's remarkable and perfect about Penny is that she demands that you have your shit together and that you know what you're doing and that you're prepared and you're ready and let's go. It's like go time. When your call is 8 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 3, whatever time it is, it's go time. So she would look at you and go, what are you doing in this scene? If you had, if you had a breath, she would go next. What are you doing? Because it's, you had to have it together. So she had meetings with all of the characters in the movie saying, all right, so you're a second baseman, third baseman. What do you do? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you like to draw? Do you like to paint? Do you want to travel? Do you have sisters? Do you like animals? Like whatever. So we all had backstories that we created on our own. And we were all ready to go. So we're all sitting there like this, you know, ready to just be in the movie. Because there's, you know, 15 of us. So it's like, all right, we need somebody that we're going to do, you know, ground balls. We're going to do fly balls. We're going to do this or that. So we really had this camaraderie because we wanted so much to be great. And we were so thankful for the opportunity to be great. Because the mediocre, you know, environment in which normally we live in was just cast aside. And we just got to be just the, the, 
the you know best. So we'd show up every morning just thankful to be there. And Penny was just extraordinarily demanding in a great way because no one demands greatness anymore. And I'm thankful for that. And I, you know, I demand greatness. That's why I live alone with a kitty, you know. <laughs> what a ledge, hey. That's She's so just like that is good. It's fucking cool. I could I watched that whole interview in one sitting just like, wow, tell me more. But yeah. She she seems to be exactly like what I would hope and expect that she would Lori yeah. Betty would be like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't fuck around. And so she talks about it in that clip, but the the schedule was hectic. So even before shooting Apparently, eight hours a day, six days a week for nearly eight months, baseball training. Maybe not for everyone because I know some people got cast at different points, but generally speaking, there was some serious baseball boot camp happening. All the shit you see in the movie, like the bruises and everything, that's all real because they were really doing all that shit. Mm -hmm. Gina Davis is really doing the splits, catching shit, catching the shit behind her back. Like everyone's doing all that is real. It's fucking cool. That's just. Did it for the cameras because the guy was like, give us a bit of jazz out there. Yeah. Yeah. Dial it up. All right, so we talked about a lot of the amazing women involved in this movie. Let's take a moment for the fellas. Yeah. We have we have none other than our, our boy John Lovitz in there. The role was written for him specifically, and you can tell, well, he owns it. Fits him like a glove. Like, like a glove. Like a, like a glove. <laughs> <laughs> See that? Agus on the train, you know, when the guy's, he's like, the sales, the traveling salesman's sitting next to him telling him about his, his sales increases. He's like, if I had your job, I'd kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Every line is pure gold. And he just gets up and walks and away. Every Won't train you I'm... shut up? That was improv. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. good. So heaps of that. He initially had a bigger role. He was going to be in the, um, the sud okay. bucket scene. And I think he had some great speech he did or like some great moment that got cut. And he was a bit pissed that it got cut because he's like, this was my Oscar moment. Um, oh, really? I mean, all in, I think eventually, it wasn't like beef or anything. It was like, he understood that it was the best thing for the movie, but. He did like, from, from a viewer's perspective though, he did kind of just, he did feel pointing in the film. And then and, disappear. And then he just, yeah. like that, he's out of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Oh, they you know always, what else I realized as They well? always get attached. I was getting attached. Yeah. He, another SNL guy. And I was thinking about this. I think there's probably two movies we've done that don't have an SNL connection. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I feel like SNL comes up on every fucking episode. And there isn't that many SNL movies. Yeah. So it's... Yeah? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, of course, we have Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, I thought he was fucking awesome in as this. As Jimmy Dugan. Although initially considered was Jim Belushi. Oh, yep. He's a big baseball guy. Yeah. You can kind of see that too. And they're yeah. not John Belushi, Jim Belushi. His son. Uh, brother. Is it his brother? It's his I brother. It's his son. Nah, it's his brother. Is it? James Belushi. That makes sense. Yeah. Age wise. Which is, he's always. I always thought that was his kid. Oh, That's weird. Yeah, he, well, and yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a, yeah, he's the shit one. Probably vibe, because which John is was kind of, I think John had passed away before I kind of worked out oh, what was happening in the world. Yeah. And Jim Belushi is in a heap of movies that were like massive in the late 80s, early 90s. They were mad, like K Nine, which was like Kevin oh, yeah, Hooch. Yeah, That's yeah. like the the two dog cop. Yeah, you know, there's always the second movie. Yeah, as yeah, discussed it's a twin twin picture. Uh huh. Taking care of business, Mister Destiny. They came out the same year. These were like popcorn flicks, and he was just the main guy. He's a pretty charismatic guy. And then he of is. course, Curly I feel like he gets Curly a Sue. he gets a bad rap, and I think it's pretty unfair. As, I loved him as when kind I was of a kid. The, the shit Belushi or whatever. I actually think this role would have been pretty well suited to him. Same, and it's kind of a sliding doors moment where I wonder what would have happened post this. Because even Tom Hanks, he'd done big and he'd done a few other things, but his career wasn't his big Oscar trifecta or whatever it was came in the next few years after this. Yeah, that's interesting. It wasn't. This was kind of a fork in the road for him. I so thought he was awesome. In imagine, it. imagine if imagine a world where Jim Belushi gets this role, goes on to play Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, not no, happening. No. It's probably not happening. Um, okay, but you'll like this one, Greg. So obviously, Gary Marshall's in there playing Walter Harvey, who is the fictionalized version of the Wrigleyman. PK Wrigleyman. Yeah. Side note: PK is that why it's called PK as a freshness? Oh bus? shit! Yeah, I was thinking that. Whoa! Yeah! Wow! 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 
Gary Marshall ended up in the role for financial reasons because they couldn't afford who they wanted, which was none other than a Mr. Dustin Hoffman. Christopher Walken, yes. Christopher Walken. Really? Baseball. We're not going to be that podcast that does Walken impressions. You know what I don't want to see any more of, Greg? Walken impressions. Yeah. Okay. Any late night show host listening to this, don't ask celebrity guests to do Walken impressions. It's not interesting. I am okay hearing more. Nah. Maybe I watch more late night um, talk shows than you. I'm not interested. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm loading the bases. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Back, back to League of Their Own. That's the casting. That's basically it. That's how it all came together. To round it out, as we said, the characters, these aren't real. Yes, there were some sisters in the league. Yes, there was a player named Dottie, but this is not their story specifically. This captures, I guess, the the bigger picture story of the league itself, bringing us to life through characters that are a bit of a composite of real people. Um, a nice little um, uh, nod to that is the fact that a lot of the elderly women we see in the, the, the book ending of the picture were actual baseball players. So aside from the main actors, so the older woman that played Gina Davis wasn't one, but the oh, broader you- group... Could you elaborate? Is that Gina Davis's voice? Dubbed yeah, over? so they dubbed they dubbed Gina Davis and I think maybe most of them uh, their voices over the older ladies. Okay, but yeah, so a lot of the other old women you're seeing there were professional women's baseball players, which was very nice. Should we go through the rough play by play? The rough play by play. So as you said, it does the bookends are uh, old people. So we open up and we've got an elderly Dottie Hinson, uh, who's Gina Davis's character. Mm. And she's basically in a, you know, a nice white picket fence home. It's very white, literally and figuratively. The and movie is very white. It's a very white movie. So they wanted to make it a bit more diverse, but being historically accurate. This was what was going it, through my head. So that's all yeah. oh, they did think that. Yeah, they weren't. That, so that's why cool. they did that one scene where. Uh, the black woman oh, caught yeah, the ball and threw it back. Yeah. That was kind of a nod, a nod to the fact that they couldn't do it. So they had what they called. I like that. Yeah. So there was the, the I don't know the right phrasing, but there was the black baseball league basically. And they did have some women, I guess the the black equivalent of what we saw happened. Yeah. Um, and even in, and so I thought that was odd. Um, but even with men's baseball, um, there were no black players until like late 40s. Yeah. yeah it was quite, quite so the, late, the first. It? The first black player was Jackie Robinson in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. So that's crazy. The Black League only ended in 1951. That shit's insane. So this this movie, I guess, would have liked to have been more, yeah, representative, but like that just wasn't history, so you can't do it. Yeah. Um, So that's unfortunate. But it was nice. It's a nice nod. Yeah, it's a nice nod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the old lady's getting ready. Turns out she's going to, essentially she's going to the reunion of the baseball league, um, which was, as you were sort of covered, basically when all the men went to war in uh, the Second World War, there was a fear that the, there was no one around to play baseball. They literally all had gone. So they set up a women's league. So we are introduced to a, a young version of Dottie, Gina Davis and her sister, Laurie Petty, Kit, and uh, they're playing baseball at like the local league. Kit's like the young, fiery one that kind of doesn't do what she's told and Dottie's the older, calmer, better baseball player trying to tell her what to do. Bit of a know-it-all, but Bit she's also right. But she's so it's like, right. oh, like damn it. The, wor- the worst. But you're right. So then along comes uh, Ernie Cappadino, John Lovitz, and he's basically a scout, and he's like here. He was there to check out Dottie <laughs> and offer her a, her a role in this league. Um, but Kit's like, I'll be, in, I'll be in that. And Dottie didn't want to go. Her husband was in. They were on a dairy farm in Oregon. Uh, her husband, Dottie's husband, Bob, is at war. She's like, no, nah, I'm just waiting for Bob to come back to knock me up and pump out some kids. So then essentially he's leaving and then Kit's like, oh, I'll go. And he says, if you can convince your sister to come, you can come too. So there wasn't, he wasn't interested in Kit. Uh, Kit convinced her sister to go. So they go along to the trials. They get on the train. They go to the trials. We lose. Oh, along the way they pick up another player or two. Pick up Marlo. Marla. I love Marla. Was, which was made me yeah. I got there's a bit of dust in the room at that point. Yeah, Marla's not uberly attractive. So one of the uh, important call out John Lovitz's 
character. He's very clear that the baseball league that they're trying to build is built around hot chicks that can play baseball. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. The girls, Dottie and Kit, say they're not leaving until he takes her with him because she's great at baseball. You can't not take her because she's not hot. And then they go and they all try out. You meet, uh, yeah, you meet Madonna, you meet all your leads, and they fought, They basically have a draft and they go off into different teams. And then the movie essentially follows them around the league. There's only four teams. It's a World Series with four teams. Yeah. I mean, there were. that's pretty accurate, I think, with the actual thing. Is it? Yeah. 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 Uh, what else happens that's important? I Man, I rate Madonna in this, hey. Good performance. Probably yeah. probably her best. It's pretty understated. Yeah. Uh oh, then of course the most important other introduction than the than the girls all meeting each other and getting put in their teams is Tom Hanks' character. Yeah. So he's basically a washed up ex player, Jimmy Dugan, probably washed up way ahead of schedule. He was still pretty young. And so uh the Wrigley's man wants him to come and coach. He drank quite a f- lot of fluid that day, as it as it turned out. Yeah, he did a big wee. So <laughs> Penny Marshall was in the store with a bucket and a hose, apparently making those noises. So he's there pretending to pee, and he didn't know how long it was going to go for either. So he's standing there pretending to pee, just going along with whenever Penny decided he was done. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, so they play some baseball there. They have a few little adventures along the way. Yeah. They have a great. There's a great scene at the bar. They sneak out to the bar one night. There's just good camaraderie too. Yeah, and that scene was just epic. How yeah, the dancing, the, the dancing scene. The dancing scene. I compl- I. I guess I was had no interest in that as a kid. Not that I <laughs> do now either. But I just had more of appreciation for it this time around. Do you know what I had more of appreciation for this time around? What? Marla's karaoke. Yeah, it had to, to be, be you, 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 <laughs> and that guy. Uh, she's like, we've got, we got to go, Marla. I sing it to Nelson <laughs> and I baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite favorite line. Yeah, that was good. That was great. The kid driver. Ah, uh, yeah. He'd go back there and make a man out of me. Something like that, he said. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Old-timey hat. Old-timey hat. Yeah, I wish I, I, I wanted to be that kid if I was born in that era. Damn straight. Oh, I love, I love the baseball signals, that whole scene with the – the power struggle with yeah. Gina Davis still doing the signals to Marla. Yeah, because he's a flippant coach, right? Yeah. Like he he doesn't turn up to some games because he's pissed. Yeah, but I just I think it reminds me of the Simpsons episode too, and <laughs> when Mr. Burns is doing it. And again, because baseball's not massive in Australia, so like we kind of learn. I don't know about you, but I feel like we learn baseball through pop culture. So it's things like the Simpsons and the, the yeah. touching the nose, pulling the ear, all that if kind I of shit. I tapped my belt not once, not yeah. twice, but, but thrice. thrice. That's how I learned the word thrice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Simpsons I've used it too often ever since. But it was very uh, – it tickled my funny bone because it probably reminded me of that. But it's also just so ridiculous and great. I love it. It is great. I love it. It's probably the best part about baseball, if you ask me. Have you se- have you gone to watch a baseball game? Yeah. It's a bit shit. I loved it. What did you watch? Did anyone get a run? The, yeah. I think I probably saw two Mets games and a Yankees. Yeah, like proper baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's most of it – it's like, I think cricket's better. I like, well, yeah, see, I love cricket. Yeah. So I, maybe I'm... I didn't think I did, but in compared to that. <laughs> but I love the the vibe of the stadium. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Like everything you expect. Ice cold beer. Get your beer here. Yeah. Ice cold beer. See that, Some guy talking like that. Yeah, that's... And you hand your money down me. the line and everyone hands it back. That's it's enough It's fucking for me. cool. Yeah. So the vibe is cool. That's yeah. what makes it... That's why I kept coming back. But in terms of the sport, the sport itself, man, just watch the highlights. No one hits the ball. No one hits the ball. <laughs> Honestly, it's because they're laying off the high ones. Yeah, I like the high ones. Mule nag, unrehearsed. So yeah, so plot-wise, basically they're playing their games. You're learning a little bit about the characters as they go. Dottie and Coach Dimmy have been a bit getting a bit close. Um, they not- dial up a bit of the, uh, make it a bit more compelling for audiences, the yeah. old splits and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's there, a bit of fun. There's a bit of pressure on the league. Yeah. The guys, they're going to fold it. Then I guess the real crux is Dottie's going home. What, what yeah, she's going to leave. 
She's like, this ain't for me. I can't remember what the trigger was. Oh, no, Bob came back from the war. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of like, oh, come on. She was like, nah, come on. I never wanted to be here. I just said I'd come. She wanted to give her sister space too, right? I think it was a bit of that. Yeah, well, this is the bit. It's hard to tell. There's a few bits in the movie. So A big one at the end. The big, yeah, the, the, the movie culminates in uh, Kit, sure, Kit gets she? traded and they end up playing each other in the final. Yeah. Dottie sort of instructs her pitcher to throw in a high one because she knows she yeah. Dottie will fuck it and Dottie tonks it and then they have like that baseball thing where she's on fourth base yeah, holding the ball and yeah. she just runs over and knocks it and then knocks the ball out of the hand. Yeah. And there's probably some speculation as to whether... Did she or didn't she? Yeah. What, a, what I, do you reckon? Well, I as I said, I, th- I came... I don't the, think she did. I came to the conclusion she was a bitch this time around and so I think she would have... I she, think... She told the pitcher to throw the one she didn't... Exactly. She'd get. So she didn't show any sign of letting going easy on her. No. So I didn't think she dropped it she at that point. She definitely did. She Unless in that last moment of seeing it. her running, she's like, oh, I just let her... No. And I, it's also... Dominated. In my mind, that's a sad ending too because you want... If Kit's going to get something, you want her to legitimately get it. Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a shit thing if she just lets her... Like, well, Kit seemed heaps more chill after she... Yeah, you know, at the end when she wins, she's yeah. just a bit of a brat. Yeah, and then at the end, and then it, and then you cut back to the end of the reunion. You see the the guys together. Good casting though. Old Kit, you knew who she was right away, right? Yeah, but why is she hugging her sister like she hasn't seen her in like fucking decades? And why was she there by herself when when Kit took all the grand? Yeah, why wouldn't you go with Kit? That's a good point. Yeah, like meet at the bus stop and go together. Yeah, you? like why are you there by yourself? And why didn't you take your little? Fucking battler nephews or battler grandkids that were shit at basketball when you left. That's a good point too. Why you, they keep hey, traveling? Kids like sport. I'll show you fucking sport. They, they kept traveling and double dribbling. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. awful. It was awful. <laughs> um, but that's basically the that's the movie. Yeah, that's it. And man, I liked it. It hit me. How do you think it's aged? Uh, yeah, it's aged well. Yeah, big um, time. I mean, the advantage of doing a period movie is they age better because. It was never really of the time anyway. So you miss the traps of trendiness and all that kind of shit. Like watching it now, if you didn't know the actors, it could be made now. Think, Aesthetically yeah. and culturally. Yeah. Like because it's a throw it's a it's a period piece. Yeah. Performances haven't dated. Yeah, not at all. And it's a chick sports movie, which are pretty fucking few and far between. Exactly. So you'd still want it now. Arguably, I mean arguably more relevant. Exactly. Yeah, with all me too and all that kind of shit and like Women roles in in film being such a a hot topic right now. Like this is kind of more relevant than ever. Ever. I tell you what. Uh, one thing that stood out to me though, I was like, how old are they meant to be in this movie? Because if Gina Davis is like wanting to have kids, right? She's just got married. People didn't get married that old back then. And like, she's playing baseball professionally. Yeah. So, what's she meant to be like? Early twenties. Twenty five, maybe. I don't maybe twenty five tops. Yeah. So she was 36. Jenna Davis. Jenna Davis. Okay. Uh, How old do you reckon Tom Hanks is meant to be? Jimmy Dugan. Same age. They were the same age. Is that what you're getting at? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. So so Hanks and Davis were exactly the same age. Yeah. But I assume Jimmy Dugan's meant to be older than them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, But yeah, I think a good place to start is probably its legacy and... Um, and as I said, kind of in the making of the fact that the story of this movie getting made kind of mirrored the story it was telling. And that story is kind of relevant as ever. This is the point in our podcast where we do the old Bechdel. Oh. And of course, this else. passes. But um, it's interesting to look at the historical context around that. So before this movie, so 80s, around the 80s, 30 to 40% of movies passed the Bechdel test at that point. In the 70s, it was about 25%. And for those who haven't listened before, Bechdel test, all it requires, it's not a flawless system, but it is a good temperature check on representation of female characters in a movie. And all it requires is that you have at least two female characters with names that talk to each other about something other than a man. So we're not asking for a lot here. And so in the 70s, only 20% of films pass that simple test. It's never going to be 100. You're going to have movies that have one character in it. You're going to have movies... It's not about... Every movie needs to pass, but it is a good line in the sand. This is where we are culturally. So uh-huh. in 75, it was at 25%. Around the 80s, it was 30 to 40%. And in 
And this movie came along, and it kind of feels like you can imagine if we were our age now, then this movie comes out, it kind of feels like a, a, a moment of change in culture, right? You think it would feel like that. Yeah. And I guess it felt like that, but not that much has changed. So Bechdel test no. has kind of plateaued since then at about 50%. Yeah. And with everything that's happening in culture right now around, you know, equal pay for equal work and um, still representation of women in films and, and the fact that the Bechdel test kind of only came about in the last five or so years, like we're still in this point in culture where this hasn't been resolved. Um, side note, movies that pass the Bechdel test make more money. So get around Ooh, it. Fucking get on board. There's financial <clears throat> yeah. proof. And I think this is not about like, pointing fingers and saying like, oh, it's a conspiracy against women. I think Gina Davis herself, like I said, she started the Gina Davis Foundation and she talks a lot about this. She calls it more of an unconscious bias. It's just become so normal that you don't realize what's what you're doing. I'd be interested to know, <clears throat> so we've covered quite a few films. A few of the th- <clears throat> films we've talked about have female directors, so I'd love to hear the what a female director on average equates to in terms of Bechtel overall? We should look into that. I don't have the numbers in front of me. We could find that. But in the process of looking into this, there were a lot of, like even Penny Marshall talking about it, there were a lot of um, anecdotal evidence around just there's a very small community of female directors that get these kinds of movies still. Yeah. Like it's very small. Yeah. It's very, very small. And you can imagine, like, you know, the whole... You can whole, count them on a couple of hands. It's such one of those fucking things. We always talk about it. Hollywood's so quick to pat themselves on the back. I bet if there weren't female categories at the Oscars, females would barely win fucking anything. Because mm. look how many females have won Best Director. Maybe Catherine Bigelow. How many were there? Not many. There's that, hardly that's any. That's like the only one I would have guessed. Yeah. I- so it's fucking piss week. Sort it out. Anyway, there is one woman who's working on sorting it out, none other than our... Very own Gina Davis. Gina Davis. And I really love the way she talks about it because it's not about us versus them or hating on anyone in particular. It's just honestly about, hey, half the population is women. Shouldn't that be represented on screen? She puts it really nicely here. I don't know how in the 21st century we can possibly justify not showing girls things that they can aspire to. And at the same time, how can we possibly be showing boys this narrow vision of what women are and what they can be. 80% of the media consumed worldwide is made in the United States, so we are, to a great extent, responsible for exporting this negative image of women and girls. It's the one area of gender disparity that we can fix overnight. We can't snap our fingers and now Congress is half women, no matter what, it's gonna take a while. But in the next movie somebody makes, they can say, hey, wait, let's make some of the scientists women. Let's make 40% of the police force women and not talk about that they're women. Because no matter how much we tell them, boys and girls are equal and you can do whatever you want, if they're not seeing it, it's not sinking in as well. It's kind of working. There's movies that are coming out now that we've been directly credited with bringing that to their attention. So I'm really excited. I think for the first time since the 40s, the needle might actually move within the next few years. It is nice. And I think it's easy, especially as a couple of white men sitting here in a room, to be like, yeah, of course, but it's all like, whatever, you know, it's that small potatoes. We've come so far. But I was speaking to someone at work the other day, female a fucking boss, raising kids at home, single mother. Um, At school, the kid has a new principal. It's a female and the kid's like, girls can't be principals. Like it just shows you. And he grows up at home with a boss mom. And he said girls can't be principals. Girls can't be principals. So it's easy to dismiss this as like, oh, that's not a big deal. It is a fucking big deal. And our kids are watching TV and mobile phones all fucking day. And if they're building their perception of what the world is based on what they're seeing on their screen, so it should be representative of yeah, reality. They need girl principles. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I ultimately think is nice about this movie is that even for Gina Davis herself, she found out that she could be an athlete. And so it's almost like the character she played in this movie became part of her. The role model she probably needed growing up. So it's kind of this beautiful thing of which went on to she kind of paid it forward because all these people now come up to her and say, I started sport because of you. So everything discussed, this, it feels pretty prime remake territory. 
I have some thoughts on this, Greg. Do you? I've oh, had a, for a remake, you thinking about a little recasty situation? I got a little recasty. Right, I think this is this is version this of this is movie? prime for remake, isn't it? Yeah. For all the reasons we've discussed. Well, I, I would. All right, let, I'll get mine out of the way first because I do want to talk about the recasting. But what I would like to see, which I didn't come up with this idea, I came across a tweet by a guy named Matthew A. Cherry, and it kind of builds off what we're talking about with the African American League baseball. Uh-huh. And that untold story. Yeah, okay. I'd so like to see off. sort of a spiritual sequel that tells that story. Ooh, nice. That would be fucking cool. So this is what this guy tweeted. Imagine a league of their own sequel that starts with the scene of the black woman throwing the ball back from the stands and you stay with her and it becomes a biopic on the three black women that played the African-American leagues and their names are Tony Stone, Mammy Peanut Johnson and Connie Morgan. Like that would be pretty fucking cool. And then yeah. even what we're saying before, even in the men's pros uh, there were no black men until 1947. Like, tell that fucking story. So they, it could be really interesting to like it. do a similar like it. S- similar type of movie, but looking at all the different areas that weren't nice. covered yet. That could be cool. Having said that, if this movie was made today, who do you think we'd get? Uh, mate, my picks are all boring. I've only got one. I might not all. I did everyone. Yeah. So who would you think? Who would be the obvious choice for Dottie in 2019? 2019. You've already said her name. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's yeah. learning fruit for this role, isn't she? Got a similar look. Yeah. She's pretty she got the good stoic and alpha. That works. that works. Kit, I've suggested someone born in this year, 92. Oh. Molly Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. Gone off piste a little there. No, that's good cool. Kit. I like that. Jimmy, uh, an obvious one. Yeah. Thought Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt could do that role quite well. Yeah, I don't think that's obvious. I Isn't think that's it? I think that's good. He's yeah. in a baseball movie already. Billy Bean, is that his name? Yeah, some of that. Yeah, Brad Pitt. I thought Brad Pitt could do one of his little quirky numbers on that role. Yeah, he can do a lot of spitting. He's a good spitter. Yeah, he's a good chewer. He's and always he, eating. He puts his hands on his hips well. Does his little quirks. He's like I like his quirks. Uh, that works. Melissa McCarthy as Rosie O'Donnell. All right, so this is where my one comes in because I thought of that too. Still so, obvious. But, all right, so the next one I came up with could play either Madonna's character or Rosie O'Donnell's character. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Aubrey Plaza. Ah. You could see her playing like the tough Brooklyn type or the Madonna type. Get her in here. Yeah, that would be pretty Huge good, eh? fan. <laughs> She's a good egg. I'm a fan. But she she could work in either, either one of those roles. Absolutely, that's good, hey? yeah. I had Scarlett Johansson as May. Oh, that's good. Uh, I had Zach Galifianakis as Marla. (laughs) (laughs) With a beard. Yeah. Yeah. That could be fun. Just (laughs) Just do it. Just go. Just picture him doing those roles. (laughs) Now, John Lovitz, I had Kevin Hart. I'm not a massive Kevin Hart fan, but I feel he could have done. Yeah. He's good in smaller. He's better like Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah. I like him as a non-lead. Probably not historically accurate, but yeah. Yeah, Purely. and then finally I had uh, Eminem as the telegram deliverer. <laughs> Got a telegram, baddie spaghetti. <laughs> Sorry, my palms are sweaty. Is there a Miss Betty spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my joke that I planned. That's all I had. That's good. That's good. I'd watch that. I think. I think we're. I think we're essentially saying that this movie holds up. Yeah, it's a. It's, uh, it's it probably a more than holds up. Yeah, I as I say, I didn't love watching it again because I've I've seen it so many times. Yeah, and that's fair enough. That goes with anything. But, but I, I respect it. Yeah, and yeah, more relevant than ever. I'd say it. Didn't, it doesn't just hold up. It's almost stronger. It's not like the other movies we do where it's like, yeah, it's still funny. It's like, no, this is. It's probably more potent now. Yeah. Yeah, People should watch is. this. We should be watching this and thinking about why this is 27 years old and not much has changed. 27 years old about a story from the 40s and not much has changed. Yeah. That shit's crazy. Very true. Like what about female sports in general? That's what I wanted to mention. We're still not even there other than- Oh, we're, com- we're, 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 we're coming along. We're coming along, along which is pretty good. W-A-F-L, yeah. the AFL, Women's That's AFL massive. League, That's Women's one of those cricket. ones that- They've taken off massively, NRL. Yeah. Which is um, fucking cool. It is. It's great. And tennis is and obviously numbers, good. Like UFC numbers. is pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of happening. It's but, um, very much happening. Yeah. I, what I like about that is it seems, I don't know the full story of how these things happen, but a lot of it happened while I was 
with the Australian sports like cricket and AFL. It's a lot of it new. happened while I was overseas and I came back and they're a thing. Yeah. And I, the version in my head I like to believe is that someone finally decided to do it and people watched it. Like that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So that's fucking cool. Yeah. So there's no it's, more like, no, nah, people don't want to see that. If I can do. It's the same with the, like, as you mentioned, the UFC. Like, Dana White famously said, there'll never be women in the UFC. Right. And Did he, he say that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Not that long ago. Not that huh. long ago. But he, you know, to his credit, he's very much ad- openly admits that, like, yeah, right. I completely got that wrong because yeah. the women pull big numbers. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I think we've said it holds up. For me, it's a it's a rewatch, but with an option to expand the universe. I, I guess like a that. little bit, a little some spiritual sequels. My MVP is Gina Davis. I don't know about you. I'll take Tom Hanks in the spirit of equality. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he, I, yeah, he stood out to me in this rewatch. He stood out to me. Yeah, and probably if you'd asked me when I was a kid, I would have said Gina Davis. But for whatever, I yeah, just, yeah, uh, I just thought he was really good in it. Yeah, he was good. He was good. All right. Well, that's that's what we thought. What did you think? Yeah. Let us know. Hey, we're on the Facebook now. Have yeah. you got the Facebook? Something like that. Hit us up. Double you impact. Put your bank details in. What are we doing next? Uh, we have a little bonus episode coming out later this week. Bonus. No, we don't. That's actually wrong because that'll be last week by the time this comes out. I take it back. So in the next few episodes, we're going to be doing some certified classics, really testing our skills here. We're going to be looking at Goodfellas. Yep. We're going to be looking at Encino Man. We're going to be looking at Aladdin. Aladdin. More to come. These are just some of the some of the ones on the roster coming up soon. Anyway, thanks for letting us spend some time inside your ear holes. Um, chat soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.